You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. I'm going to invite you to join with me in a brief moment of prayer. Gracious God, take the offering of my words and what we bring to this moment. Bless them and make of them what you alone need to know they need to be. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The scripture that Michelle just read to you comes from what I think is one of the most important parts of the New Testament. It's found in the book of Matthew, and it's a part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I hope that maybe one of the things I can get you to remember from today, the Sermon on the Mount is found in chapter 5, 6, and 7. Of Matthew. Why that matters? Because in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is laying down the groundwork of the kingdom of God that he came to reveal. In essence, he's saying, all right, we're going to go out and do this ministry. Before we do it, I'm going to tell you what it's about. I'm going to tell you what's really important. I'm going to give you some images that you can hold on to, to guide you as you go through this. So it begins at the very, very beginning, of course, telling us that we are blessed and how we find blessing. And then he goes on and he goes on to talk about examples of how people find moments in their life where the way we live can draw us closer to the kingdom of God and reveal the kingdom of God to others. For example, here in the passage that Michelle just read to you, Jesus is talking about how to deal with our anger towards another, about those things that keep us separate from each other. Again, those words. But I say to you that if you're angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. So when you're offering your gift at the altar, If you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first, be reconciled to your brother and sister, and then come and offer your gift. This conversation about being estranged, about having something between us that keeps us not connected, not as close as we would like to be, can address issues broader than just anger. You can address all the things that come up in relationships, particularly relationships with those the closest to us, for which we grieve the deepest. The kinds of barriers, spoken and sometimes unspoken, that keep us finding it difficult to get close to each other and the frustration that comes when we are unable to break through. I want to talk with you about that struggle. My guess is many of us share that. What do we do when those that we love the most are beyond our reach? What can we do? What is possible as we seek to find and share peace 
with those who are closest to us. As we think about that this morning, to help us in that conversation, I suggested that our congregation watch A River Runs Through It. When it first came up around what movies we were going to be looking at together through the month of January, I suggested that perhaps we could include A River Runs Through It. Well, the fact is that's an understatement. I pulled out the old, I'm the senior pastor card and said, we're going to watch a river runs through it. I didn't ask for any vote or opinion. I wanted us to see it together. One, yes, it's my favorite movie. Because it's a fly fishing movie? Yes. Now, just for a second, let me ask your indulgence. As I share with you, why I love fly fishing so much. I love it because it enters me into a world that I can only access on the river. When I get to the river, there becomes within me automatically a lowering of blood pressure and a rising of peace within my soul. There is a rhythm and a sense of vitality on the river. Quite frankly, I find difficult to find any place else. And when I get close to that rhythm, that brings me to a connection of my soul with nature and yes, with God. Being on the river gives me perspective. It helps me understand the uniqueness and beauty of creation and my place in it. Not overly stated, by the way, but humbly surrendered into the fact that I'm a part of this larger ecosystem. And as I stand in the river, I'm allowed to enter into that world. I begin to see things that otherwise I would never take time to pay attention to. And when I'm focused on it, quite frankly, everything else in my mind drifts away. Simply stated, I like being where trout like to live. In the woods, in the desert, wherever there's a river flowing. So I'm sold out to standing in the river. I'd rather be standing in the river than even taking a float trip down the river. I'm sold out so much that I, when I can't stand the river, like to tie flies to get ready to go back to the river. And for those of you who saw the movie, I want to be that elderly Norman McLean standing in the big water, hoping a fish will rise. But that's some of why I love fly fishing. It's not why this is my favorite movie. It is my favorite movie, partially because some of the quotes in it that I just really cherish. You know the one I'm going to tell you, right? The Burns family were Methodist, a denomination my father referred to as a Baptist who could read. Love that line. It's just funny. It also captures some of the uniqueness of who we are as United Methodists. Not trying to pick on any Baptist, but it was a fun line. And then also, early on as Reverend McLean is trying to teach his boys fly fishing. As the narrator is reflecting back, shares this truth. Only by picking up God's rhythms are we able to regain power and beauty. To my dad, all good things, trout as well as eternal salvation, come by grace. And grace comes by art. And art does not come easy. I'm drawn to this movie 
because it speaks the truths that I have come to believe in my life. The first one is this. It is important for us to learn the basics and the rhythm of life that provide for us a foundation that can guide us through all of our days and the seasons by which we grow and change. In the movie, the two young boys, Norman and Paul, are given lessons of fly fishing to become more than just about a sport. It becomes about a way to live. And quite frankly, it's so important in their life, as it is said in the movie, in his family home, the distinction between fly fishing and religion was very, very thin. When Reverend McLean was, for example, teaching his boys, he taught them more than fly fishing. Remember his teaching as, a, as their teacher, if you will, as he taught them literature and writing, asking them to rewrite over and over again essays when they were young boys to get them to know how to write grammar, to write literature well, better than I can speak, obviously. And to get them to take that in with such specificity, with such diligence, that those gifts later allowed them in their own life to become one, a professor, and the other a writer. It was the giving of the boy, to the boys gifts of understanding the beauty of the written word and the power. And when they found their ability within themselves to share those gifts, they did it in different ways. But learned that lesson from the lessons in their father's study. And there's a beautiful moment in the movie where early on we see Norman coming in, having to rewrite essays and until he finally got one right before he could go fly fishing. And then much later on, when he returns home from college and he goes by his father's study and he hears his father reciting a poem by William Wordsworth, Ode Imitations of Immortality from Reconciliations of Early Childhood. And he begins at the stanza which ends that wonderful poem. Thanks to the human heart by which we live thanks to its tenderness, its joys and fears. To me, the meanest flower that blows can give thoughts that do often lie too deep for tears. Now, you know, in the movie, he and Norman recited that back and forth to each other, almost singing it, if you will. And in that sharing, their shared appreciation and beauty of great literature, connecting their hearts and souls with each other. In the lessons that these boys learned in their young life, they learned truths and skills and perspective that they could take into their life later on from their own giftedness that would bless them forever. And of course, fly fishing became for them not just a hobby, but a holy practice and a holy practice that bonded them to each other and gave them a shared love they experienced whenever they stepped in the water, whether they were together or whether they were on their own. Every time they came to the river, they felt that feeling of when as brothers, father and son, they could connect in ways that were perhaps not as complicated as sometimes life can get us into a place where it becomes more difficult. 
And all these basic lessons that the boys were given were not prisons. Rather, they became foundations from which they could launch. It is a beautiful thing to watch each of these boys find a way to live out their art where grace is found, that it was genuine to their gifts, and to share a common bond that kept them connected to a memory that would never be taken from them. As I think about that, I confess that I wish I would have taken more time creating those traditions for my family. I wish I would have spent more time and been more diligent in making sure that we did common things together, even at times when kids wouldn't want to do them, so that later on they would have those foundations. And we all have regrets. We all have things we wish we'd have done differently, I suppose. But that's at least part of my truth. And so when I watch this movie, it takes me to be thinking about that, the importance and cherishing the ones that we do share when we're together and where same conversations come up and stories are told and we remember common experiences. Those are blessings. And I pray that you're experiencing them in your family. And if you're still nurturing your family, I hope you're creating those traditions. That sometimes we all not need to be forced to come to, but once shared are always cherished. Similarly, I wish in my life and ministry, I could have led more people to embrace the basics of faith. I know that sometimes people would suggest that organized religion is out of step and irrelevant. And some of it is probably. But the basics, learning scripture, so that you know where to find the Sermon on the Mount, the basic stories of faith, not words that you hear other people say about Jesus, but words that Jesus said that become written on your heart. I wish I could have led more people to embrace them, to embrace skills and knowing how to pray and understanding that there's a rhythm even yes to worship, regardless of whether it's contemporary or not, that allows us to be able to find a way to worship wherever we are in a pattern that leads us to celebrating God's grace and glory. Those foundations are important to us. That's why the church exists. I really do believe the best of what the church reveals is, doesn't happen when we're in the walls. It happens when we repeat the patterns of grace that we learn when we're gathered together and dance them out in the world, that art of sharing our faith. Truth is, this is my favorite movie because in my life, there's a reality that perhaps you know something about too. I've carried grief in my soul for the times when I have had people in my life that I love very deeply who have need and I cannot seem to help. In the movie, there's an interesting mix of love and tension in this family. They share great love, as I've already said, at the river, but also at the dining room table. They come together at the table, and there they learn the rhythm of being family to each other. And I especially love how at the table, they value the gift of story. Do you have a story for us tonight? And of course, Paul, the extroverted writer, 
always had interesting stories. But it's in the storytelling and the listening to the stories, the listening to each other. Being our best audience for each other around the table with the people we love the most. That is the greatest feast. It's probably what we love the most about holiday meals, right? We get to come back to a table and tell the stories over again that we all know and share our new stories that have happened since the last holiday meal. And yet, as we sit at those tables, isn't it also true that sometimes what is spoken has to be put alongside that which no one ever talks about? You know, the unspoken truths. In this movie, there were truths that no one could talk about, even though they had knowledge of it. I love it earlier in the movie when Reverend McLean tells Norman how his congregation makes sure that he knows about what's going on with his kids. I know that truth. And so we understand that the parents know of their youngest son's struggles, but they can't talk about it. And when Norman tries to talk about it with his brother, his offer of help is rejected. Paul, I have money. He doesn't need or want that. Paul, why don't you come and go with us to Chicago? He doesn't want to do that. He can't leave the place that he loves, that's in the core of his soul, even though part of that is killing him. And even with Jesse's brother, Norman, can you take him fishing to try to help him? And yet the brother will not take the help that could have come by standing in the water and listening to the words of God. There is no greater heartache than a heart that aches for one you love and cannot help. We blame ourselves, don't we? Without mercy. How have we failed them? What did we do to help mess up their life? We blame ourselves in so many ways, oftentimes so far from the reality of the situation. And sometimes we, I, can become victim helpers. That's a term I use to talk about those of us who become victims by being dragged down by someone else's struggles because we love them so much. We also ride the highs and lows of their life and find despair, which then places us in a position in life where we're unable to not only not help them, but not help ourselves. We lose perspective. And sometimes when we do that, we begin to get to a place of judgment and we begin to get to a place where we can only see the worst of our loved ones who are struggling. Part of the gift of this movie for me, part of the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that none of us are defined by our greatest worst act, by the failings or struggles that needs that we have. We are larger than those. We are a complex mix of grace and challenge. In this movie, it says simply, Paul was beautiful. He was an artist. He was a skilled writer, great storyteller, master fisherman. He was one who stood up and rejected unjust behavior towards others. 
he was the one who found his own rhythm, which both produced great beauty and, yes, tragedy. And the end of the movie contrasts him at his supreme holy blessedness, surrounded by grace on that river, that beautiful scene of his unique casting style, and then capturing of that beautiful fish. A moment of pristine beauty as the father and two sons gathered at the edge of the river, laughing, loving life in that moment, a picture of perfection. Don't we wish when we have those moments with our loved ones, we could just stop time and just freeze the frame and stay there. But like a movie, life goes on. And in this movie, right next to that beautiful picture of perfect togetherness, a great tragedy occurs because of the impact and power of Paul's personal demons. It's a powerful scene to sit through. And every member of his family struggles to deal with the weight of their grief. And yet the truth is, as I expect most of us right now here in this moment will understand and relate to, while we have dealt with grief in the past, we carry grief with us as our journey goes on. We go back and remember that weight never fully leaves us, does it? We carry in our souls memories, loves and losses of our life. And it seems to me, the order that I've gotten, those memories, both loves and losses, become our closest partners. They are in our thoughts every day. And at the end of his life, as Reverend McLean gets ready to deliver one of his last sermons, the last one that Norman would ever hear before his father passed away, it's revealed that he still thinks of his son Paul. And the words of that preacher in that sermon is just one of those places where I have to confess. Every time I see it, I break down because it's truth, touches the truth of my heart. Remember? Each one of us here, well, at one time in our lives, have a loved one who has need and ask the same question. And we ask the question again, we're willing to help Lord, but what if anything is needed? Or it is true, we can seldom help those who are closest to us. Either we do not know what part of ourselves to give, or more often than that, the part we have to give is not wanted. And so it is those we live with and should know who elude us. We can still love them, but we can still love them. We can love completely without complete understanding. We can love completely without complete understanding. That for me is a definition of grace. And the river of grace that runs through this movie and the lives of the family in it is the river that I long to stand in the most. 
a loved one who has a need that you cannot help with. When I say that line, who do you think of? Where is the sense of frustration, fear, grief, worry that you carry in your life? We have to understand we are not in charge of everyone else's life. I think when Jesus is asking us to be reconciled to each other, we may confuse that by thinking, go and get everything fixed. I think I actually used to believe that. I had to go and make sure that everything was all right and the relationship was completely healed of any pain before I could go back. But that's not what it's about. When we go to offer ourselves to be reconciled to each other, may mean that the problem, the hurt, the pain, the need that exists will still be there. But we will be reconciled to each other to love each other completely. Even during the brokenness of the lives of others or of ourselves. Can we find the strength and the love to love completely even when we do not have complete understanding. To stand there and love each other, not in avoidance of truth, but in reality that in truth not everything will always be fixed by us or on our timeline. And yet we can still continue to offer our love to be with each other in the river of life. To find there the way in which we can find a holy ground so that when we come to the table, we can all still sit at the table with each other, imperfect, thriving and struggling, hurting and loving. The river that runs through this is this simple invitation. We get a chance in our lives to share everything we can with each other and discover the best of what we have to share is this unconditional love that will not allow us to stop loving and caring for people even when we do not agree with them or understand them or they us. As you think about the people in your life who you grieve for, who you love and wish that you could only give them what they need, that missing part, and yet seems not to be likely to happen, that you can find peace and offer unconditional love. It's the lesson that I've learned from the rivers that I've stood in. Like Norman, I too am haunted by waters. They draw me, they speak to me, they allow me to cry my tears and also feel the greatest peace I can know. 
So I will keep going to the river. Literally. And I pray that all of us will keep going to the river of faith, the river of life, be in the presence of Jesus Christ, to listen to the rhythms of grace and seeking the peace that is the ultimate gift that our faith can provide. May God bless you. And whether you ever stand in the river or not, may you be sprayed by grace, live with hope, and know and share complete love, even when you do not have complete understanding. I pray this for me, and I pray it for us all. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.